Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode number 87. How's it going? How are you? Hello, welcome. I hope you're doing all right. It is day number 365 of my quarantine today. That's pretty crazy. It was one year ago today. I was sitting in LaGuardia Airport flying on my way home. So I guess actually, yeah, right around now. I was sitting in the Sky Lounge, my beloved Terminal C Sky Lounge, the small one. And uh, I was on the phone with my partners at work, and we were like, I think we're going to have to close the office. And they're like, yep, yep. And they're like, you know, this we might have to do this for months. <laughs> months, we said. Thinking we were being pessimistically realistic. Uh, yeah, I guess I, we we got to do it, we said. I flew home. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, it's interesting. I sort of began quarantine-ish that day, but we had a visitor, Ashley. Our friend Ashley was in town hanging out with my wife when I got home, and we took her to the airport the next day. So it's actually probably 364. But that was it, man. That was that was the last thing. Even that, you could argue, was an essential trip. Ashley had to get home. Uh, I've not gone anywhere since, except for grocery stores and things like that, until this week, actually. This week, big week, I spent a week in a hotel. My mom and I spent a week at the Hyatt Park Plaza Hotel. Hyatt Park Plaza? Is that what it's called? The Hyatt Park Place? (laughs) Something like that. At Southern Village in South Chapel Hill, 4.4 miles from my house, uh... My mom's got some medical problems, don't really know what's wrong, and uh, she's been meaning to come here for a vacation, and uh, we kind of sped it up because there's better doctors here, but she's having trouble flying by herself. It was always the plan that she was going to quarantine at this hotel for a week before she came into our house, but uh, she needed a chaperone to fly, so my brother-in-law, Matt, brought her down, and we just didn't feel comfortable, didn't think she could be in the hotel on her own, so I stayed with her for a week, two rooms, adjoining rooms, (laughs) it was pretty crazy, Uh, I brought my iMac, (laughs) I just sat around working and helping my mom and watching a lot of YouTube videos and Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes, which was actually really hard to watch because... They were not on DVR, so you couldn't skip boring interviews or watch them at different times. Uh, Yeah, it was like a week away from my daughter. That was kind of a bummer. Uh, But, you know, each night we'd FaceTime, and it was pretty fun. I always do this one kiss, two kiss thing when it's my turn at bedtime, and I would do that over FaceTime, and she would totally do it. Like at night when I hold her and put her to bed, I hold her in my arms, and I go, one kiss, two kiss, and she, like, you know, turns the cheek each time. But, like, when I was doing it over FaceTime, she totally kept turning her cheeks. It was super cute. So, you know, it had some charms. Uh, Very overwhelming for my wife, though, because she had a lot of stuff to do simultaneously, get the house ready for my mom. 
we had a room, we had a whole plan and she was going to stay up in the guest bedroom and, uh, but it's up on the second floor and my mom was, I could tell as soon as she got here, she was not in any condition to be doing stairs. So we put her in our bedroom on the main floor, which meant we had to get like the other bedrooms upstairs worked ready and the guest bedroom had the cats in it. So we had to move the cats, train them to use, I mean, Emma had to do all this while I was taking care of my mom in the hotel. Train the cats to use a litter box in a different room, <laughs> clean everything, wash everything, get out, you know, everything out of her bathroom, everything like out of the shower. Like, ugh, it's just, you know, so much work for her. And she's got a ton of work right now at work. And I was doing this and I had work and meetings and it was really overwhelming. Last week was intense, man. Not going to lie. So, yeah, my mom and I moved back to the house on Monday. And uh, the week's been going pretty well. Uh, you know, a lot of doctor stuff. We got her to the doctor last Friday, and now we've got all the specialist appointments scheduled, but they haven't happened yet. But you know, I'm running around taking care of all that stuff, and yeah, it's been it's been it's been an interesting week. You know, it's, it really limits what I have to report to you in a way because I didn't get a lot done. It was very uh, I can't. You know, it's a lot of YouTube. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> There's a lot of YouTube. I watched hours, especially on Saturday. I did play Civilization Saturday and Sunday for like five hours each day. We'll just open the door between the two rooms and my mom like would sit in bed or, you know, watch MSNBC. We would go for like she would go for we would go for a short walk, like get outside onto the veranda at the hotel. It felt very like last year at Marion Bad or something like that. But the other thing is like it's, you know, it's in Southern Village, which is this like uh, housing development near us that has a downtown. It's really cute. It looks like Mill, like I always say it looks like Mill Valley from Back to the Future, right? It's got like a park in the middle and it's like round town square and nice good shops all the way around, including like a health food store and our favorite movie theater, which is closed right now, obviously. But, uh, you know, and it's got trails, walking trails, it's got a giant, huge community park. And, and I used to walk it all the time before Jane was born and I haven't really been up there much. And uh, so that was great. That was the one good thing about this. I would get my mom all set um, and then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be gone for a while. And she'd be like, okay. And I would take a nice long walk around Southern village and it was just wonderful. I really missed it. And I almost want to live there except for the, uh, the houses are too small and the lots are too small. And you know, you, you can't be like a, a prepper with your own solar panels and shit. And <laughs> I mean, you can, but everything's small, but I really like it. I really like Southern village. And, uh, so that was, that was sort of the charm of the whole thing. Uh, so then on Sunday we got COVID tests, um, and we came home super rapid COVID tests. And then we stayed there another, you know, we got the test first thing Sunday morning and we came home Monday evening for a total of seven days in the hotel. So being extra careful. Uh, and yeah, since then, you know, I'm a, a lot of like sort of. Emma did a great job of getting the house ready and then just put little things like she's got a walker and it needed like a cup holder in a pocket so she can move stuff because she can walk, but she can't like carry stuff and use the walker at the same time or, you know, stuff like that. Finding the right chairs, different heights of chairs make a big difference. And, you know, you want her to be able to do as much as possible. And if she has the right height chair and she has a pocket on her walker, she can walk around. So, you know, it's like stuff like that, getting her physical therapy appointments, getting all that stuff sort of aligned. I don't know what's wrong with her. So I'm not being oblique. We don't know what's up. Um, like a lot of theories. She got her blood drawn, but it's too soon to say. So we are just sort of making her comfortable and trying to encourage her to be as self-sufficient as possible. And it's going pretty well. Uh, you know, another person in your house, always a little overwhelming, but it's, it's going well. Um, yeah, but the sun is out. Uh, that's the other great thing. There's some rain when she first got here, but Yesterday and today have been beautiful and sunny, and it's going to be sunny or partly sunny for the next seven days, so that is great. 
very excited about that. Uh, and yeah, the kitties are doing well. You know, they had to move to another room, so that's all very exciting. Uh, they're very friendly. Roy is definitely more friendly than Keely. Uh, and it's funny, you know, my whole my whole childhood, I didn't really have pets. But my mom had a black cat when she was growing up, and Roy's a black cat. And now she's like, leave the door open. I'm hoping Roy comes visit me. I'm like, it's interesting. The whole time I was a kid, you weren't into pets, but now you're into them again, aren't you? <laughs> it's really cute. I really like it. Uh, and then Jane's doing great. Uh, it was really weird. So, you know, Emma had to watch Jane for a week without me. And Janet pitched in, you know, took her over to Janet's house for a day or two, my mother-in-law. But, um, you know, so I'm making it up to her now. I'm watching Jane every night because Emma still got a ton of work and uh, you know, she's as exhausted as I am. So I'm watching and I just miss Jane so much. I don't mind to doing bedtime every night right now. And so we've been doing it every night. And last night Emma was like, watch this Jane feed the cats. Uh, because for months now, Emma feeds the cats at night, you know what I mean? And when the nights where she's watching Jane, they would doing bedtime, they would feed the cats together. But on the nights I was doing bedtime, she'd just kind of sneak in there and feed the cats. But apparently while I was gone, she taught Jane how to feed the cats. Now, obviously I know how to feed cats, but like Emma has very like stringent requirements on volume of food and type of food and stuff, you know, and it's, and it's just a lot. And, um, but also because the cats moved while I was gone and their litter box moved and their food moved, I actually didn't know where it was yet. I'd only been home for like a day. And, <laughs> and so she's like, Jane, feed the cats. And Jane just went over and found the food and scooped the appropriate amount in each bowl. And I was like, this is the first. My daughter's three years old and she is doing something I don't know how to do. And so that was a new feeling. That was kind of cool. I liked that. I felt pretty good about that. Very proud of her. Uh, yeah, but she's doing good. I really, you know, I used to say this all the time when I was traveling for work, but like being gone for a week, like I, you can see cognitive development in that amount of time. She's more conversational than she was when I left. It's crazy. It's just crazy how fast they learn. It's amazing. And then, you know, I mean, a week in a hotel, <laughs> I was like not eating well. They had these like, you know, I had a hotel breakfast, but it was severely scaled back because of COVID. So it was basically these pre-bagged egg biscuits and muffins and bagels. And and then like we get delivery each night and I try to get some healthy stuff like Thai or something, but like I got a salad one night, but really it was just like junk, you know? And like uh, for lunch, I basically ate whatever leftover they had or like cheese and like Asian rice crackers I got from the health food store. I could have done better. I'm not going to lie. And I ended up being so greasy. I was just so greasy because I was eating so badly and I got so much acne and it was like, I haven't really had bad acne in like 10 years. And now I'm like realizing I still could get bad acne. And the only reason it went away is not for any reason other than I just eat better and I don't drink as much and I don't smoke. And, but you know, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't smoking. I'm still not smoking, whatever. But I like, I was drinking like some wine every night there to like sort of fall asleep. Not too much. Cause you know, I didn't want to like be passed out in case my mom needed, needed me at night or something, but you know, and then just not eating well and not getting enough exercise. And I was just like broke out and like, I'm still, it's almost, you know, now a week after I've been home, it's almost like under control again. But my God, it was so bad. And the whole time I was like, oh God, I don't know how much weight I'm gaining. This is so horrible. My diet is being negated. And it was not good, but I only gained two pounds. So I have already lost one of them again. But, you know, I really thought it was going to be terrible while I was there. And it was, but it could have been a lot worse. I, I made an effort to go walking in Southern Village every day. And I tried to eat healthy. So I guess I did, you know, good enough. So, hey, uh, go me. That was, that was something. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. 
yeah, so, you know, the projects, not a lot of projects. Uh, I talked to you guys on Saturday, two Saturdays ago. And then, I guess, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I got her at the airport. Or, no, I mean, I met her at the hotel on Tuesday. So, I only had three days on that end. And then, like, four or five since I've been back. So, I was, you know, sometime. But since I've been back, I've just been running around, catching up on work. I took a couple days off work, deal with her. Um, you know, or postponed meetings. I could do work. I couldn't do meetings because I didn't know when I was going to be needed. So scheduled stuff was really hard. So I had to like catch up this week. I've just been running through all these meetings and getting all this stuff done. And, and, um, people I pushed off personal projects, you know, things I'm helping people on stuff like that. And so, you know, I haven't really got a lot of anything done on my, my personal projects. I came home once, you know, when I left on Tuesday, I was like, oh, I could come home every day and I could still work in my office because my office is like hermetically sealed from the rest of this house with its own HVAC unit, you know, and and I was like, and, you know, mom could sit outside, but it was like gray and rainy and like, <laughs> it just wasn't going to work, you know, she like had a little bit more mobility issues than I predicted. And so I came over once and I watered the plants and I checked on them and I was like, oh, this isn't good. Like they, most of them are doing okay, but I kind of, I seem to have lost my spinach seedling seed starts and uh, some lettuces so i have a lot to do this weekend uh i gotta like uh i wanna go uh i wanna start trying to build my compost bins and i gotta put together these big uh, containers i have they're called birdies beds they've i ordered them over the winter they're sitting the boxes in the garage i want to build those i want to get sort of like start making my dirt in them with my old dirt and compost and vermiculite and fertilizer and then put the new topsoil for me you know, i got a whole thing to do there i got a lot to do uh and replant some some of those spinach seedlings. Uh, let's see, what else do I have to do? <laughs> I don't know, man. I made a lot of mistakes. Oh, I got the cardboard shredder. Yeah, I got to try and get my compost heating up again, man. It's a, it's a mess. It's like, I don't think there's enough carbon in it. So I got this cardboard shredder, and I'm going to like start shredding cardboard and putting it in with the like matter, see if that helps. Uh, and then, you know, I'm making these YouTube videos of my gardening, and I had to skip a week because of the quarantine, so I got to make a new one of those this week. Uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, a, it's a busy weekend right now. I'm telling you, man, it's a busy weekend. But uh, I'm excited about gardening. Tomorrow, if all goes well, will be an entire gardening day. That'll be really nice. That'll be lovely. Yeah. But, I mean, the seeds, uh, the rest of the seeds are doing really well. They are. They're looking great. They're looking great. <laughs> the watermelon, the loofah, the cucumbers, the basil, the peppers, the lettuce, most of the lettuce. One part of lettuce didn't really do as well. The sage. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's exciting. It's exciting. But, I, you know, I'll have to fix some, some damage done from neglecting them for a week. They require a lot more water than I realize. It's really hard to get the water balance right. That's my biggest problem. Because the water from the bottom, the top's always dry. They're in these cells and my fingers are fat and you're supposed to stick your finger in to see if it's, you know, moist under the, the top. And it's like, I can't because I got like fat fingers and it takes up the whole cell and I don't want to like, disrupt the roots. And I don't know, that's a whole thing. And then the lights, I, I had them on 24 hours for two weeks, which I wasn't supposed to do. I was supposed to just do 16 hours. I saw one guy say 24 hours for a little while and I misremembered and I did for two weeks and the lights are too high. So they're too leggy at first. And there's the humidity, the humidity domes for too long. You're only supposed to use them until the seeds first poke out of the ground. And I used them for like a week and a half. So I got this like moss on some of them. I got to get rid of that. <sighs> Gardening, man. It's, it's crazy shit. It's crazy shit. So I also, yeah, I want to go to Home Depot so I can get some straw mulch. I could maybe use my leaf mold compost for mulch or like gather some, I don't know. It's hard. You know, like I have these amazing pine trees with amazing pine mulch, but I need to shred it in something. And I have a mulcher, but it doesn't really shred pine needles. I can't figure out how to shred pine needles. Ooh, I'm sensing a YouTube 
K-hole this evening. <laughs> That'll be fun. And then the other thing is like, I, I've been thinking about this studio reorg for quite a while and I know I talk about it all the time and I really want to buy that shelf. But what I'm coming to realize is the records are going to need some sort of the vinyl is going to need some fixing and I got I to gotta deal with that. So I think I'm going to need another long counter along that wall. And if I do that, then I think having that shelf too is a bit much. I don't know. I'm in this like, I just sit there thinking about it every day, how to do it. Because I could do the counter shelf or I could do the wall shelf that I really want. But I don't think I could do both because in the area is just all shelves with this, just this little area. It's hard to explain, but I just don't think it would work. So I don't know. I feel like I'm in a, I'm stuck. And I, I, I need a solution and it is stressing me out. But I'm starting to lean towards more sucking it up and doing the big long counter and getting all the records out on top. But, you know, it's like fucking I just keep buying more records, man. I got to stop. Maybe I should just get rid of the records. That might be the whole problem. I don't know. Vinyl. I'm starting to have a lot of dilemmas about vinyl. It is. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. I got to stop. I don't know. Oh, uh, anyway. OK, we'll move on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then work, work's going well, all caught up, good stuff there, the tech world is going gangbusters, ad tech world's going gangbusters, a lot of M&A going on, it's very exciting times, a lot of, a lot of dynamic, exciting stuff happening at work, uh, but, you know, we have this Apple IDFA thing happening this month, so we'll see what happens with that, a little bit of a pause in my work, sort of high-level strategy until that sort of, uh, you know, plays out one way or the other if you will but uh yeah i'm enjoying it it's interesting it's 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 a crazy world i work in these days uh and then you know a lot of crazy stuff going on in tech everybody's freaking out about nfts now it took me a while you know like i was a little bit torn because as you know i'm a i'm a collector i like to collect things and i like weird pieces of art and i like like digital weird art i got a electronic objects eo1 that i'm looking at right now and i love that thing and but uh, ultimately, after doing all my research and sort of realizing most NFTs are on the Ethereum blockchain, which is what I figured to make sense because of the smart contracts and all that, that the environmental consequences, the environmental damage done by maintaining these blockchains is unjustifiable for me to buy NFT art because I just can't abide by the massive power consumption of the blockchain. People say the blockchain when they're referring to all the blockchains sometimes, but they also say the blockchain when they're just referring to the Bitcoin blockchain. NFTs are typically not on the Bitcoin blockchain, but I think the parlance is acceptable to say the blockchain singular when you mean all of them. What is a chain but a lot of links? <laughs> if you take a chain and cut it in two, do you have two chains? Oh, now we're getting into two chains. Oh my God, I'm turning into a young South Paw kid. I got to stop. Anyway, let's move on. We're going to keep this pretty short and snappy this week. Uh, week in quarantine. But, you know, the one thing about a week in quarantine is I did get to listen to a lot of music. Now, I didn't sell anything on Discogs because I turned the star off when I knew I was going to be out of my house for a week at the hotel. And I just turned it back on this morning. I, even after I got home for a few days, I was running around like a chicken with its head cut off. And I was like, I can't deal with this one. So I turned it back on this morning. Haven't had a sale since. So. And I don't think, actually, you know what? Hold on. No, no sales before that either. So nothing sold on Discogs this week. Uh, I did add some stuff to my Plex before and after I went to the hotel. I added Suburbia, the punk movie from the 80s. Strong recommend if you've never seen it. Really great movie. I like it a lot. 
Uh, Lady Jane from 1986 is a Trevor Nunn movie. It is one of Helena Bonham Carter's first films ever. Uh, it's about Lady Jane. Go figure. Uh, I've watched that movie a bunch, but I got like, I didn't have a good copy of it. And the best I could find is a DVD on Netflix. So I got that and I ripped it. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like SD quality, but it's good SD quality. So uh, that's up there. If you want to check that out. Tammy and the T-Rex from 1994. I think I mentioned this last time, but I couldn't. It wasn't in my notes, and I had a little, like, weird brain fart about it. But uh, I was on a Zoom before I went into quarantine, and my friend Jess Hickey was talking about this movie and speaking the world of it, and so I downloaded it. It's pretty funny. It's one of Denise Richards' first roles. I think I did mention that last week. I'm sorry about that. And A Foreign Affair from 1948. I actually don't know anything about that. I got it for Og, my friend Og, and so that's up there as well. Uh, Got a bunch of new vinyl which is pretty exciting. That was one thing the whole week I was sitting in the hotel. I'm like, well, when I get back, I'm going to have a bunch of vinyl sitting there. And I did, and it was very satisfying. The new Blank Mass record, Inferno, F-E-R-N-A-U-X. It's uh, two pieces, it's one piece of vinyl. Each side of the vinyl is one piece. Phase one and phase two, listen to it this morning. It's pretty cool. It's a little synthy and ambient, not as hard or noisy as Blank Mass or their related act fuck buttons have been in the past, but I like it a lot. Uh, I got the Soul soundtrack. So this is a whole thing. What I got, I ordered it off of Trent Reznor's site, off the Nine Inch Nails site, and it is the original motion picture soundtrack by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. If you go listen to the Soul soundtrack on Spotify, it is the full soundtrack, which is by Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Batiste. But what seems to have happened is they've produced three versions of the soundtrack. The Soul soundtrack of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, the jazzy stuff by John Batiste, and then... On Spotify, they have both of them together as one soundtrack. But I got the vinyl off the Nine Inch Nails site, and it's just the Trent and Atticus stuff. So therefore, being a very melodic, pretty ambient album, way more pretty and and melodic than other Nine Inch Nails work, perhaps like a happy-sounding ghost, if you will. But I liked it a lot. Uh, and then I got a bunch of seven, a bunch of seven-inch singles. I got two Suck Dog seven-inch singles. Suck Dog is my friend Lisa Carver's old band, and I just sort of added the all to my want list years ago. I think I said this last week. But what I've been doing is looking at the new arrivals on Discogs for sale, sorted by lowest price on my want list. So I've been buying a lot of stuff that's like a buck or two on on Discogs, which means it's typically been seven-inch singles. So I got these two Suck Dog seven inches, Kill Ralph and Kiss Your Lips. I got the uh, Wedding Present California 7-inch, which is number six in the Hit Parade series. They did in 1994, one 7-inch single per month for 12 months, uh, thereby having the highest number of top 40 hits in England in a year, beating Elvis. Uh, I had 11 of them, and I didn't have the last one, so I finally got the last one. So I've been working on this for 25 years, (laughs) and I finally got the last one, so that was pretty exciting. I got a Gloria Record 7-inch single for Grace of the Snow is Here, which is a great song, and I love the Gloria Record. Had a B-side that was unreleased. It's a nice little pretty folky B-side. Just listened to it this morning. Really like that. Uh, Bailter Space, I talked a lot about them a few months ago. The album Whammo, which I really love and I was ta- I was raving about in like, let's say, October of last year, coincidentally got a reissue on Matador Records on very nice transparent red vinyl. So I got that. Uh, the Dandy Warhols did a seven inch single with Bebe Buell, the famous groupie. <laughs> they did a cover of Femme Fatale together. So I got that. And Bowery, Electri- Bowery Electric, one of my favorite bands, a drone rock band on Cranky Records, originally from Texas from Denton, Texas. Uh, I got the vinyl of their album Beat. It is um, 
the 20th anniversary reissue of Beat, which would have been in 2014. So it's a 2014 pressing, but it has been out for ages, and Cranky just put a bunch more on to Discogs for sale. So I think they got a repressing of their 2014 pressing. It's a little confusing. It is not a 25th anniversary pressing, which would actually make sense, but... Uh, yeah, anyway, I got that. I love that record. I love Barry Electric. We used to be friends. And uh, very excited to get that on vinyl, finally. I got three CDs in the mail. I got a CD called Kindred Spirits. I used to own this CD, and I didn't have it anymore, and I really missed it because it is a compilation of Boston-based goth bands in the 90s that I knew when was friends with, like, half the bands on the on the disc. Missile Thrush, 12-Tone Failure, Opium Den, Purple Ivy Shadows, Curtain Society. also has a Chicago goth band I really love called Big Hat. Uh, it's a great CD, and it's one of the only releases that has music from a lot of these bands. 12-Tone Failure, I have their demos and some live stuff because I'm friends with their sound guy and people in the band. But Purple Ivy Shadows has a couple albums. Curtain Society has a couple albums. Opium Den had one album. I have all that, but like it's you know there's a lot of rarities on it, and some of these stuff just not on CD in any other way. So I got that for like a buck or two on Discogs, and I really love it. <laughs> really took me back. I'm, I, I have gone through phases of listening to old Boston goth again while doing this podcast, but I guess I'm in the throes of another one now. And then I listened to a bunch of records, not like hundreds, like some weeks where I plow through, but a, a fair number. My friend Doc Stone was getting really into late period Peter Murphy, and I was sitting in this hotel room, and I'm like, all right, I can get in on this. So I listened to all the Peter Murphy albums I hadn't heard before. Uh, which was Dust, Unshattered, and Lion. Uh, I liked Lion a lot. Unshattered was kind of boring. Dust had a Turkish flavor to it that I really dug. Uh, but you know what? Actually, I'm going to say, like, I kind of thought Peter, Peter Murphy sort of, like, jumped the shark, but he didn't, man. He's still putting out interesting music. I know he's had some problems with the law and some drug issues or something. I think I read about I don't know a lot about it, but he, he would pop up in the paper with problems once in a while. He had a heart attack when he was doing his run at... Uh, at uh, La Poisson Rouge that I was going to go to the next night, and so I couldn't go. But <laughs> but anyway, they're all really good. I was into it. Uh, King Princess. Uh, my friend Kellyanne told me about this. The album's called Cheap Queen, and it's really clubby and mellow and very pretty, and I'm really, really into King Princess. Strong recommend. Uh, and then I decided I was going to check out Get Really Into the Indigo Girls. <laughs> so in 1991... My friend Hugh, who was one of my best friends at Boston University, he came from L.A. and he had an older brother, so he was super cool, and he was in bands and stuff already, and he was really into the Jesus and Mary Chain. He was like already bootlegging shows and later went on to be in some other bands, and uh, then he worked for the NFL and like he just did cool shit. He was a cool guy. And uh, he, he would bootleg albums, right, because there was a big bootleg scene in the 90s before the Internet. So he's like, you know, there's this hot new, you know, Indigo Girls are playing a show. And they're playing at Strawberries Records. There used to be a Strawberries Records in Harvard Square. Um, and they would do free shows there. And they were awesome. I saw Mazzy Star there once, and it was like the greatest thing in my life at the time. And even now, I'm still just like, oh, my God, it was amazing. I have a autograph poster from that show that's on my wall to this day. So, you know, 30 years later. But we went to this Indigo Girls show, and he was bootlegging it. And I was just sort of bitching and moaning about it because I – didn't like folk music at the time. I was really into goth and industrial and, and noise and and uh but over the years so at first I thought it was kinda of funny. I, I basically I ruined his bootleg, right? And he thought it was kinda of funny, but over the years that that story has taken on sort of a a more disturbing turn in my memory because it feels very like anti feminist and very homophobic, right? Because like the Indigo Girls 
I feel confident enough in my own feelings because I know I was neither of those things, but like it's, it never sat well with me since then, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I wasn't mocking loudly. It wasn't like I was like ruining the show for anyone. I was just kind of muttering under my breath. I just happened to be standing next to his, his microphone. You know? So anyway, I felt bad about this for a long time. So I was like, and that's not even cool, man. The Indigo Girls are fucking awesome. <laughs> And I was like, are they? Have you ever listened to the Indigo Girls? I was like, well, I'm closer to finds an awesome song. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen to their first album and I'm going to listen to their latest album. So I listened to their first album, the one with Closer to Find called Indigo Girls, self-titled. Great record. And then I listened to their last album, which came out like a year or two ago. Indigo Girls still going strong, man. And they had new, uh, their last album was called The Look Along. And it was really rocking. It was not, you know, the Indigo Girls. I mean, it's still the Indigo Girls. It's kind of like a... Uh, What's his name, man? <laughs> Neil Young. Sometimes you get a folky album. Sometimes you get a Rocky album. Seems like the last album was a Rocky album. It was good. But, you know, like the Indigo Girls, they're fucking awesome. I feel terrible about it. So this is my penance as I'm, I'm listening to all the Indigo Girls albums. <laughs> uh, Caitlin Pascoe. Uh, I like the single of hers early at the beginning of the year. And, and called Terrible Person. <laughs> and so I listened to the whole album. It's called Greenhouse. It's quiet and pretty. A little bit boring, though. I, I really like quiet, pretty, melodic music by women, usually. But I was like, mm, this one's uh, it's not quite up to my, my standards, I guess. I don't know. It was good, though. I give it a, like a B minus. Uh, Dolly's Car. So anyway, like doing this Peter Murphy thing, I remembered that he... Uh, <laughs> Jesus, sorry. Uh, Adobe just decided to stick a giant modal dialog box on my screen telling me there's an update to Photoshop. And like, I don't care, dude. Go away. Uh, anyway, Dolly's Car was Peter Murphy's side project with Mick Karn, the renowned bassist of Japan. And they put an album out that I've owned my whole life. Basically, it came out in like 1983, and I bought it in like 1986 or some shit, right? I've owned it forever. But in the last like five or six years, Dolly's Car reunited and made an EP. It was right before Mick Karn passed away. He had cancer when they made it. And I had read about it when they had gotten together, and they said, we're going to put it out someday. And it took another year to come out, and I had forgotten about it. So now I'm doing this whole Peter Murphy thing. And I'm like, whatever happened to that Dolly's Car EP? And I was like, oh, it's actually out now. And it's called In Glad Oneness all one word and uh it sounds like dolly's car and it's kind of awesome and dolly's car sounds pretty cool now and you know mick karn is a very distinct sort of fretless bass playing style and um so yeah that's out uh you know dolly's car has a sum total of one album and one ep so if you're curious just give it all a listen take you take an hour of your life uh then i listened to this eddie arnold old old country country and western dude he you know he does like that i can tell by your outfit that you are a cowboy i mean that's an old traditional song but he does a great version of that album's called cattle call somebody just mentioned it on twitter and they're like is there anything as beautiful as eddie arnold and i was like i don't know and i listened to it i'm like no man this is perfect country, like old style country melodic ballads. And I'm all about Eddie Arnold now. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> I can't remember who got me into this. Nerman Niazi. Uh, this was reissued recently and it had a pitchfork re review, which I learned after the fact. But some friend of mine uh, or somewhere I heard about this, not from pitchfork. And I listened to it. And it is a 1984 teenage Urdu synth pop group. 
Oh, it's Dan Kleinfeld. Okay, I made a note and said who it is. Dan Kleinfeld is a high school friend of mine. We're friends on Facebook, and it was Bandcamp Friday, and he mentioned them, and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And I listened to it. The album is called Disco Saage by Nerman Niazi. And I was listening to it, and I didn't know what year it was from or anything. I was like, this is so weird. This sounds like sort of like Klaus Nomi and the normal, and like, what's going on here? But it's in, it's in, you know, I don't know. What is this, Farsi? I couldn't tell what the language was because I'm a dumb American. And so I Googled it, and then there was, I found the Pitchfork review, and they're like, it's a reissue of a 1984 teenage Urdu synth-pop group. And I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. So Nerman Niazi, strong recommend. Also from Dan Kleinfeld is he told me about this band Cold Meat. Uh, they have an album called Hot and Flustered. It's like a, a lady punk group from Perth, and it was awesome. 23-minute album, <laughs> just lean and mean, hot and flustered by Cold Meat. Strong recommending. And then the last one from Dan Kleinfeld was Michi Wayanko. Planetary Candidate is the name of the album. It's like a weird, plucky, classical thing. Uh, I looked her up, and she's really awesome. Uh, she she lives in Massachusetts with her husband on a compound. that They, they do like a, a classical festival there. She's worked with the National and all these other like sort of cool Brooklyn alternative things. But this is a, a Planetary Candidate is a, a symphony, basically. But it's very, like syncopatic pizzicato a lot of plucking on stringed instruments uh i really liked it michi wianko uh and of course nick cave and warren ellis put out a new album this week called carnage uh i gave that three listens one song on there i just love and i do feel like uh they are breaking out of their mold i feel like nick and warren have been getting in a little bit of a rut i said on facebook that i think that nick cave uh and uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift should trade producing partners and Nick Cave should work with Jack Antonoff and Taylor Swift should work with Warren Ellis. And I would be very into both of those outfits. But one song on the new Nick Cave, I really, really loved. So, yeah, he's coming around. I'm still a little annoyed at his like sort of old person views on cancel culture and, and a few other political things. But he seems to have pulled back from the red right hand file, so which was his sort of email newsletter with his fans so maybe i can forget about all that and just enjoy the new new cave album uh eves jarvis uh he's some sort of hip thing that's going on i read about him in some sort of hipster source uh sundry rock and roll or no sorry sundry rock song stock is the name of the album and uh, it was very very good it was very mellow i would almost call it like a mellow yaysayer sophisticated or like a melodic devendra banhart perhaps as sophisticated and folky as Devendra, but like more melodic. Really enjoyed it. There's a new Hold Steady album, Open Door Policy, gave it a few listens. Didn't quite gel for me. I haven't really loved the Hold Steady album since Heaven Is Whenever. And when when Heaven Is Whenever came out, a lot of old, I was also an old Hold Steady fan, but other Hold other old Hold Steady fans didn't like Heaven Was an, Is Whenever compared to the older stuff, but I did. And I thought they were just wrong. And heaven is whenever was the greatest hold steady album ever. Uh, I still kind of think that, but that's been happening to me in the album since then. Like uh, the ones since then I like, and I listen to and I buy and I'm into, but not as much as the ones previously. And there's some, you know, like his lyrics are still intensely clever and the music is still really interesting. One song on this one had really like a new musical direction for them, but it just didn't quite gel. And I don't know why. And I, I, I've only given it two listens, so we'll see. We'll see if I can come around on it. But uh, you know, I'm 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 expecting more, I guess. Uh, then we got Shintaro Sakamoto. How did I discover this guy? Oh, this is Og Stone. 
Yeah. All right. So this guy apparently used to be in some sort of band in Japan. <laughs> He's Japanese and uh, he went solo and he just makes perfect pop. I, I would call him like a Japanese Sergei Gainsbourg, Shintaro Sakamoto. So I listened to two of his albums, How to Live with a Phantom and Let's Dance Raw. And they're really good, man. Really into it. Strong recommend if you like uh, kind of perfect pop music. John Bellion, Glory Sound Prep. So I was listening to my All the Good Tracks, this like 5,000 song playlist I have of all the music that I've thrown into it that I like um, because I was building up some of my playlists for my Facebook post and the song came on that I forgot about. It's called 80s Films and I just love it. It's like, just like the 80s films would go back to my best friend's house. Uh, anyway, um, it's a great song. And I was like, who did this song? And why is it so good? And what else have they done? And it was it's by this guy, John Bellion. And so I listened to his last album. It's called Glory Sound Prep. And it's like such a fascinating record because it's really schizophrenic. He's sort of like a Mike Posner kind of guy. He's like a songwriter and a producer, self-taught, produces other people, writes songs for other people, makes his money by writing hit songs for other people. I worked with Kanye and some other people. And um, some of the album is like synth. And it's like almost like he's trying to be Justin Timberlake in a way. But then he's got a lot of hip he, he writes hip hop songs. This is why I compare him to Mike Posner, who makes his money off of writing hip hop songs, but writes sensitive folk ballads as well. And uh, so it's kind of like a, a really like the postal service, almost synthy songs and then hip hop songs with like noted hip hop stars. It's a very odd record. Glory sound prep. But I, I'm interested in John Belly and I want to I'll, I'll keep an eye on that guy. That young guy, young gentleman is going to go far. TC and the Seaside Assembly. Uh, this is Boston Rock. TC is Tim Katz, who is a legend in the Boston Rock scene. He's been, it was sort of one of the founding fathers of Roadsaw, which is a well-loved Boston rock band from ever. And Seaside Assembly, are, is the album has a pantheon of Boston rockers in it. And uh, <laughs> Dave Unger's in it. Sean Drinkwater's in it. If you know Boston Rock, it's up there, Ali. Uh, it's sort of a rock opera about a seagull. It's called Fly Like a Seagull. It was kind of a fun album. I was really into it. <laughs> uh, Bridgene, B-R-I-J-E-A-N, Feelings. This is a new signing to Ghostly Records. It's like Latin dream pop, and it's great. And I listened to their earlier album called Walkie Talkie, and I love that too. Really into Bridgene. And then this was when I was in the hotel, I was listening to Brigine and I was on the iMac and the iMac isn't my normal computer. And I had tried to set it up like my normal computer so I could have a good workflow. But some of the more nuanced settings of the computer I did not get to in the two days notice I had to get everything ready to move into this hotel. And so one of the settings I forgot to change was the setting that's like, don't play any more music when you're done with the playlist in Spotify, because it drives me crazy when they do that, except because I didn't change it, it played more music when I was done with the playlist. So I had finished uh, Regine Walkie Talkie and Spotify was like, well, you're going to like this Art Feynman guy. And it played Art Feynman. And I was like, wow, what, who's this? I really do like this. And uh, he's awesome. <laughs> so I listened to two of his albums, Half Price at 3.30 and Near Negative by Art Feynman. Very good. Very into Art Feynman. He's just mellow, mellow synth pop. I Dreamy. Mellow, really good, really into it. And then I was thinking about John Lennon and the Plastic Ono Band and Shave Fish, and I listened to a bunch of the old stuff like Live, Live Peace in Toronto and uh, you know Instant Karma and stuff that I've listened to before. But then I was like, I remembered that Yoko Ono brought back the Plastic Ono Band. I have a 12-inch single she did with Spiritualize, and I was like, I don't think I ever gave the new Plastic Ono Band a chance. 
So I listened to the Plastic Ono Band album by Yoko Ono, and I love it. It's just weird experimental noise with her wailing, and it's great. And I, I, that lady's awesome. Yoko Ono is awesome, man. Yeah, I'm really into Yoko Ono. And that's it. That's all the new music I listened to in the last two weeks. So not too painful. Not too painful. Before I went into quarantine, Emma and I finished season one of the Umbrella Academy, and we really enjoyed it. We intentionally stopped at the season finale. We watched the finale. We did not start season two, and we have not started since I got back. She's really overworked right now, and she does a lot of work at night, and I was overwhelmed, like, adjusting and getting my mom settled in and stuff. So we've just been watching, like, MSNBC, or we caught up on Saturday Night Live. Well, we actually haven't caught up. We watched the Nick Jonas one. We haven't watched the one before that yet. Just watched the cold opening with Chloe Fineman and Britney as Britney Spears, and I love Chloe Fineman, and we had watched the Britney Spears doc, so that was really great. But uh, we haven't watched the whole rest of that one yet. Uh, but that's really it. Other than that, it's MSNBC. Oh, I kept up on WandaVision. Emma and I watched it in sync. We hit play at the same time and then t- chatted on our chat app and watched the new WandaVision. Uh, you know, it's always hard to do the episode where you go back in time and show everything that happened to get to a certain point. So I, you know, it, it wasn't as edgy your seat as the other ones because it's in the past. But it was a necessary episode and it advanced the plot in a way that I'm very excited about setting things up for this week. So that is very exciting. Uh, and that is about it. Other than that, I haven't seen a movie in ages. I'm still reading the uncollected stories of Alan Gerganus. I'm in the middle of this one about a dog, and it's, like, so sad. And I'm too emotionally raw with my mom, and I was missing my daughter. And I, like, I've read, like, a page a night, and I'm like, I can't read any more of this. <laughs> it's really good, though. It's really good. I'm almost done with that book. And, uh, yeah, but I haven't been reading any books. Um, and then, yeah, just YouTube. Texas Barnuminium guy showed up again. Very excited. I was really worried about him. The game mechanic is back, so I've been watching a lot of Civ live streams. I watched a lot of Civ live streams when I was sitting in that hotel room, like hours and hours and hours of them. Uh, Eric Voss, new rock stars, does the like recaps of WandaVision, stuff like that. Nerd, nerd culture. Really been enjoying him. Uh, there's this weird landscape dude, bro dude. He's like a hip hop bro, aggro, crush it kind of guy. He's like a tech bro, except for he's a landscaper. And it's oddly compelling because it's like if you're at like a tech conference and there's some guy going on about his startups crushing it, but he's a landscaper. And he's talking about tractors and shit. And I'm really into it, even though he's kind of like, I don't really like him, but he's also kind of like lovable in a way. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with him and Dirt Monkey, which is another landscaping guy up in Minnesota. I'm really obsessed with landscaping, YouTube, <laughs> concrete grinding, YouTube, plaster, YouTube, gardening, of course. Uh, yeah, I watch a lot of that shit. And that's about it. So, you know, a lot of stuff going on in my life. It's been a very eventful two weeks, but uh, eventful in a way that allows for a shorter than usual podcast. So we are under an hour this week. You get 18 minutes of your time back, class. Thank you for listening. I miss you. Drop a line. I'll talk to you guys in two weeks with some serious garden updates. Take care.